Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's a post-Halloween edition, a post-trade deadline edition of Wesson Walker from 12 to 3 p.m. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Appreciate you sharing your middays with us. We want to hear from you. How'd your Halloween night go? How did your trade deadline day go? You can text us, 704-570-9610. I know Fiddy is sitting over there real happy because he's got... A whole big bag of candy that Kyle Bailey gave to him. Shouts to Kyle Bailey, letting us eat some leftover candy that he collected last night in his sick, sick Wreck-It Ralph costume. Appreciate Kyle Bailey for giving us some candy. Did you look over it, Wes? Was there some good I stuff did. in there? I did. I liked it. It was some good stuff. I was a little disappointed, though. No Snickers. You know, I, I might have wanted a little Snickers, but he did have some Reese's. Not the minis, but he had like, uh, I don't know what those were. It was some type of Halloween-themed Reese's, and then... Uh, he's got some Kit Kats in there, so that was cool, and then some Hershey. So he's got some good stuff. He's got, uh, let's see, if it was Hollywood, it would be B-listers. Oh, I thought Reese's and Hershey's are B-listers? Well, see, Hershey's has so many. It's like a coaching tree, the Hershey's. Because, I mean, not the Hershey's, the Reese's, because to me, the many Reese's are A-listers. And then the OG ones, you know, they're, they're B-listers. The the fa- the father Reese's you're saying like that's that's like, a- yeah like the minis are like the the little brother that ended up being the the great player it's like the Lamelo ball you know what I'm saying they, he ended up being the one out of ball uh, no that's I, my opinion no I man that could talk- <laughs> <I'm serious. laughs> yeah yeah Don I mean I think the OG Reese's there's a that's the Bill Belichick and then the coaching tree you know how it's usually the coaching tree you want to go with Andy Reid yeah. It's the coaching tree from Bill Belichick actually ain't all that great, as we just saw with Josh McDaniels getting fired. Fired! I think I think Bill Belichick is the OG Reese's. I like Reese's Pieces. It's all good. You even have Take 5, great candy bar. Oh, Underrated. Yeah, People don't talk about it as yeah. much. But you have a couple hits from that tree. But, man, OG Reese's uh, take getting five, a that's like us. Yeah, Take 5 is like Griselda. Why is that? The records. I think like you're going to have to explain like to the underground, people. Yeah, you know, like underground rappers that... They have a niche crowd that, that, that likes that specifically because I've, man, I, I can't recall ever having a take five uh, before. Let me see. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is how we're hitting it. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Reese's makes the take five. What makes it? That's what I'm saying. It's a different candy bar. Yeah. But Reese's to me, I, I just, I didn't realize that we were going to open up. I've heard of a take five. What, Reese's was the number one overall draft pick in the candy draft on the Mac and Bone show, and you're calling it a B-lister. I just didn't expect that kind of strong take to open up the show. Yeah. Reese is staring right at you in that bag, and you're saying, nah, that's well, like the bad sequel of a great movie. No, but I was saying, because so you're making it sound like I'm saying Reese's overall. I'm saying that particular type of Reese's. Let me get the it's one a cup. Hold It's on, a hold Reese's on. cup. All right. Let's... All right, this is, I, I didn't realize this. I know we're doing the radio thing where we do the candy bar. Well, I can't wait for, I got to give the people some conversation here. I can't, you know, I know you're going to the bag. You got it now. Well, let's go ahead and check it out. We got the yeah, Reese's, so Reese's pumpkin. So that's what I was saying. It's a B-lister. Like it's still Reese's and you're going to enjoy it. But just the form that it comes in, mm-hmm. I feel like it matters. Reese's cups, the many Reese's. Our A-listers in my book. All right, so we got a... Oh, no, hell no. We got a bunch of candy bags. 
We're, we're going to try to unload this off of the bus. Let's get the bus driver, if he can put his candy bag down, stop eating the Reese's for a moment, open up the doors, and let's debate this some more by getting off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! just reminded me that it's Wednesday. Did I say it was the wrong day? I'm not sure why you're reminding me. No, but what do we do to start the oh, show yeah. on Wednesday? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought I was like, wait, <laughs> am I the old grandpa that has to be reminded what day? It's Wednesday, grandpa. It's Wednesday. Okay, the that's Typical whack-ass walker. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's new drops. We're coming I got strong at the ones. beginning. I see that. New oh, drops. yeah, that is new drop. New All drop right. alert. All right, so you know what the deal is. I did not. I forgot. We didn't do it because we were at ACC Basketball Media Days just last week, and so we were a little too scared to, to actually scare Tony Bennett away. Aggressively <laughs> nice Tony Bennett. I did not want to yell at him to start the show. Today, we are going to war cry because it is a Wednesday on Weston Walker, and I apologize that I forgot. I don't care where you are. I apologize even if we were a little hypocritical last week. We're doing it now. I expect you to do the same. At the count of three, let's all let out our war cry. One, two, three. Now it feels weird not to open up the doors and get off of the bus, but we can actually continue to talk about post-Halloween and post-trade deadline. We'll get back to some of the candy Did you tests. catch what I yelled? I think I'm going to start just yelling random stuff when we do that. That's what I've been doing the whole time. I yelled the Michigan scandal is crazy and that we're watching Jerry Springer. Okay. Very good. <laughs> R.I.P. Jerry Springer. He's a part of the show, though. R.I.P., baby. He's a part of the show. Let's go with the Carolina Panthers convo because there's actually not a lot to talk about regarding the trade deadline. Didn't move at all, Wes. Mm -hmm. Not a single move. And this is somebody in Scott Fitterer that tells you he's going to be in on every deal. And at the trade deadline, a GM that's going to be in on every deal might just make something shake. But it didn't happen yesterday. Brian Burns could have been on the move after he could have potentially been traded last offseason. Jeremy Chin, Dante Jackson, plenty of names that were in the mix, but nobody traded away from the franchise. Should the Panthers have stayed quiet like they did at the deadline or should they have been active yesterday? Uh, I think that they should have chilled unless they got an offer that was just going to completely be a game changer. They didn't have the assets really to go out there a player. You didn't want to give up the house for somebody that you know, you need, as I've been saying for a while now, that the, the grocery list is long at this point. And so you need all the assets you can get to help address your needs in the offseason. So unless, you know, you were able to get a guy that you really felt like could make an impact for next to nothing, which I didn't really see anybody like that on the market, I think you stand still from there. And as far as their own players, I don't think you make a move unless it's something that can really get you something of substance. The Panthers have six of their draft picks in this upcoming NFL draft. They don't have their first round pick. It's well documented. The important draft picks they have, they have every single one of their draft picks, second, third, and fourth rounders. The fifth rounders, they have a couple. They don't have their own, but they traded for a couple in return. They got a fifth round pick because of the Christian McCaffrey trade. But really, the important thing is they have their second, their third, and their fourth. If you look at some of the pieces that were traded for yesterday, maybe you could have been interested in an Ezra Cleveland, a guard from Minnesota, who was traded for a sixth round pick. 
maybe you could have justified that by getting rid of a six-rounder to go get a guard. But then it comes to the question, all right, if Minnesota is willing to move off of a guard for a six-round pick, then should you be willing to deal draft compensation for a guy that another team is willing to give up for so little? And we know exactly how valuable these draft picks are. Even if it's not for Scott Fitterer to use himself, it might be for the future GM. But we do know that draft compensation is valuable. So no, I don't think the Carolina Panthers should have been willing to make a move so badly that they got rid of one of their second, third, or fourth round draft picks. I don't think there was a deal out there that made sense enough for them to get rid of some serious draft compensation. If they wanted to receive some in return, then maybe you could have traded Jeremy Chin, but that was always going to be a lot harder after he suffered that quad injury. The other one is maybe you could have sold high on Dante Jackson after a really nice game from him against Houston. Maybe you could just point to the film there to every GM. Hey, did you guys see against Houston? Don't pay attention. One through six. Did you did you see what he did against Houston, though? And then get something in return. That would have made sense. But if the most you're going to get is a six round pick, then maybe you just hold on to Dante. Try to battle for a potential playoff spot that Fiddy got the ball rolling on yesterday. And we didn't completely destroy that idea. <laughs> so maybe it was a smart move for Scott Fitter and the Panthers to hold tight. I will say this. I also wonder, because we don't know if Scott Fitterer is making these decisions for himself, he might be making them for the future GM. I wonder, because of David Tepper's involvement, how much of David Tepper was saying, hey, play the reckless speculation soundbite if you want. This is very clearly speculation. But with Tepper's involvement, is Tepper looking down and saying, how about we don't get rid of some of these draft picks because I would like to be able to use them for the future with whoever is in your position next season? Or, you know, just to play the advocate here, I was like, well, what if Federer feels like maybe I'm going to be out of here next year anyway and it's just like, you know, whatever. You know, didn't make a move from that aspect. Oh, just, just leaving real lazily. Yeah, just like, all right, you know, I'm not going to be here anyway. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, because with the whole Brian Burns deal, I think that that was the thing. And I was surprised that Derek Brown wasn't really a part of any trade talks or that teams weren't trying to see if they could get him away from Carolina either. But with Brian Burns, you weren't going to get the deal that you got offered by the Rams last year. That became clear pretty early. And I think unless they got something like that, they weren't going to move on it. Some people said it was a failure, but I'm like, you're a one in six football team. Who are they going to bring in here that's going to change the fortunes of this franchise for the rest of the, of the season and put you in the playoffs by one move? That move wasn't there. So I think the Panthers did right by standing pat, keeping their assets, and then just continuing to build like they will this offseason. Do you think the lack of movement at the trade deadline said anything about the direction of this franchise? Uh, No, I don't. I think this is a team that's obviously rebuilding. I know we talked about yesterday trying to dream for a second if they could make the playoffs and perhaps that in some crazy world that that could happen. But I think the direction of this team is still a rebuild, is still a team that is building around their young franchise quarterback. And I think the offseason is going to be dedicated towards that. And there was nothing at the trade deadline that you were going to do that was going to massively speed up that process. 
text us. Tell us your thoughts on the Panthers trade deadline in activity. 704-570-9610. Uh, Reverend Herbaceous wrote in. Sounds like they got Fitter on a short leash. If he ain't gone after this year, probably only gets one more. They sure ain't letting him spend future assets in this climate. Yeah, 803 texted something very similar. Tepper grounded fit, took his phone away. Can't be in on the call if daddy took your cell phone. Oh, okay. That was interesting. 803 <laughs> number. Calling somebody daddy to Scott Fitterer. Daddy, daddy. 806 wrote in. Derek Brown is the best defensive lineman. Why trade him on this team? Brian Burns, Derek Brown. It would be that debate for sure with this Carolina Panthers squad. And 704 said the draft pick loses value with the current regime making the picks. Yeah, but it might not be the current regime. And so this is the thing that people would argue. Why are you trading for more draft picks if you don't trust the person making the draft pick which for sure it doesn't mean you don't want Scott Fitterer to keep trying to hit on those <laughs> you still want him to keep trying to hit on those draft picks but it still might not be him and we'll see how the season ends for this current regime the other thing real quickly before we move on so I forgot to do something last time I received a gift for the entire show and I wear that responsibility but I got a gift a second time yeah, this is true. This is true speak here. So we have a fan of the show out there. And big shout out. Really appreciate it. It's my girlfriend's co-worker's parents that listen to the show frequently. Okay. Big Hornets fans. And so my girlfriend's co-worker's mom made us fudge one time. It was a while back. And I, I have something to admit to everybody. The okay. first time that she made fudge... I kept forgetting to bring it in. I kept forgetting to bring it in. You forgot, huh? And then the weekend came, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just about to eat all this fudge myself. <laughs> I'm going to destroy you. <laughs> what an appropriate soundbite. But I didn't do it this time. I didn't do it. So she made fudge for us again. Big shouts. Thank you so much for listening. And I brought the fudge in today. Well, we thank you for that. And so... Trying to make up for it, for forgetting so many times the first time. I don't bring Halloween candy. Okay. But I bring pieces of fudge that are all for you. All right, man. We Every single one of these pieces are going to be for you because of how badly I feel. That's what's Maybe I took a couple out and left them at home. But the rest of these <laughs> that are in here. This must be some fudge. Yeah, it's very good. What's oh, her name? It's incredible. Yes, it is absolutely incredible. So I will give you some of that a little bit later on in the show. And you can indulge on that as the show goes on. I don't know. Gobble, gobble. Smells very good. We'll come back. We'll eat it a little bit more. Weston Walker off and rolling, talking about the Panthers' trade deadline inactivity. What about Brian Burns? Was it the right decision to hold on to Brian Burns? We'll talk about it coming up next on Weston Walker. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We are all high on 
Sugar. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We have loads of what I would say is A-list candy in the Kyle Bailey <laughs> trick-or-treat bag. That was A-list fudge. You better believe it, buddy. Fire. And the fudge is delicious, too. Michael 49er fan said Walker forgot her name, so he just kept going trying to slide past the question. I apologize. But are you the, the Texans catch every dog. No, they do. Thing, they really do. In fact, Let me they, tell you. they caught me saying 100% again, which is something I say. I do it in order to either confirm or maybe it's a transition point. I say 100% and I need to actually turn it up. I need to go like a thousand percent. Like the further I go up, the more I agree with whatever it is that you said. I do agree with the fudge take though. And by the way, no, that's shouts to Ms. Julie out there. Thank you very much, Ms. Julie, for helping us out with what is What's what's got Fitty saying, oh, damn, before he goes on the air? (sighs) Let me paint the picture real quick because I'm turning on my mic. Fitty goes back for a second bite after eating. Is this your second piece or are you still on your first? No, that was my first. I'll be back for a second next segment. Yeah, so it was your second or third bite right before we hopped back on the mic. And then I saw you shake your head, blink a couple times, and say, oh, bleep. (laughs) There you go. It's like, that's how you know it's good. Oh, bleep. Fiddy, how are you doing over there? I told you guys this could not leave the room, which maybe ask you why I'm taking it to the radio. All right. So if anybody's listening in their car, it does not leave your car. It does not leave your cubicle. It stays right here within right. the Wes and Walker family. Miss Julie, you may not be a fan of Fiddy, but I'm a fan of your fudge because that is better than my momos. Oh, yeah. I'm telling as soon as I... <laughs> As soon as I get in the house, I'm going to say, Mama, you ain't going to believe what he said. Oh, man. You know, it was just really good. And, Walker, I got a new way for you to start ending your sentences whenever you want to say 100%. Just say, oh, yeah, that's cash. There you go. That's better than saying 100%. What is that from? That was Terrence Oglesby when he joined the Wes and Walker show two weeks ago talking about a guy. Who was his random ACC player? Bambali Osby. That shot 34% from the foul line. And this is how he described every free throw he took. Oh, yeah, that's cash. No, I, I like I like having Bambali Osby be our show random ACC player and then having that be a saying. Oh, yeah, that's cash. If we like something, oh, yeah, that's cash. Yeah, Scott, the XFL, AFL, USFL honk says 100%, you say 100% a lot. I wish we could follow the Texans around and see the stuff that they do and say all the time and then remind them. That'd be fun. Well, that's been a a somewhat recent development again. I shook it a while back, and then when I hop on something, I just... I follow the trend, and so we're going to try to move on. But I will say for one last time, or at least for the next two minutes, 100%, that fudge is straight fire, as one Wes Bryan might say. It definitely is. For sure. Elite. Thank you, Matt Rule. What does our sound folder look like these days? Dude, y'all have been on a roll the last couple of weeks. The amount of drops I got, this this might be my favorite drop. No, hell no. It's it's <laughs> it's it's absolutely great. But it's it's evolving and it's growing by the day, which is a good thing. We got a lot. We got a lot of sound. <laughs> a lot that I don't even know where it comes from. I had to ask you the origin of some of this sound. <laughs> I'm glad that we have it. Let's move on. I want to discuss a little more about the Carolina Panthers inactivity at the trade deadline because there were a couple of players that we could have seen moved. Brian Burns, one separate conversation on its own. But if we look at how the other teams operated in a similar position to Carolina, you might say, I did want to look at Washington and I wanted to look at Chicago. They actually had a trade with one another. 
the Washington Commanders made a pair of notable pass rusher trades yesterday. Washington sent Montez Sweat to Chicago for a 2024 second round pick. Washington also traded Chase Young as we broke at the end of the show. They sent Chase Young to San Francisco for a third round pick. So Washington collects a second and a third after drafting a couple of edge rushers in the first round. They didn't want to pay him. I thought they might choose one or the other, but they decided we're going after a second and a third round pick. Now, if you're Chicago, Chicago is the only team below 500 that made a move for a player yesterday. The only team below 500. The Panthers would have fit that bill had they looked for a wide receiver, another edge rusher opposite Brian Burns. We don't even know if Brian Burns is going to be the guy here long term. Wes, if if you were to operate like one of these teams, was there a better path for the Carolina Panthers? Was there a path that would have made sense to you to operate like Washington, where they're trading some high-end guys to get pretty high draft picks, but not all the way at the highest, not the first round pick. Do you like the way that the Panthers could have operated if they took a page out of the Washington playbook? Or do you think they should have been more like Chicago, where they go and get a younger, talented player even if it did mean they had to give up draft compensation. Well, the thing was, when you looked at this team, is they had already paid a couple of guys, and the Washington trades were kind of, well, not kind of, but very contextual. When you definitely looked at the Chase Young deal, they talked about how the injuries were there. You know, they weren't sure in the long-term investment. Uh, They declined the fifth-year option and all the injuries that he had had, and they were very unsure about him, and that was one of the reasons why they did not pay him uh, a ton of money. Then they've already paid Allen and Payne and those guys on the books for 20 plus million a piece starting in 2024 with Allen already being there now at 21.4. So I think that Washington looked at it and say, Hey, sweat's going to command maybe a big salary. Cause both of these guys are having pretty solid years thus far at six and a half and five sacks, respectively uh, young on the latter side with the five sacks. So I think that Washington just kind of looked at a situationally like, okay, yeah, we don't want to just invest a ton in our defensive line when we have so much other stuff that we need to get. So I think that's why you saw them make the deals that they did. So for the Panthers, the only rationale for deals that they would have made would have been for draft compensation to maybe make up for what they don't have, obviously. They would have traded Brian Burns had they been able to pick up two first-round picks. They would have traded a Derrick Brown or a – uh, for a similar scenario, you trade a Dante Jackson if you can get a third or a second or a fourth or something like that. So I think that was the thing with Carolina as to why you didn't see the moves. I think Washington, like I said, they just kind of operated from a standpoint of not wanting to sink a ton of money into defensive linemen, in which one of them they felt like was going to get a major payday perhaps or in line for it. The other, they just weren't sure what his future was going to look like and didn't want to invest in it. But if you're Carolina, like I said, unless you get a Rams offer, unless you get something that can really help you, especially in the short term, you get that 2024 first round pick where you can be able to go address some needs, then you make that deal. But if not, I don't really see anything out there that they could have done. Now, I think the record, maybe if you have three to four wins on the book already, maybe you go out and make a deal then. But – 
when you're a one and six football team, it's like, hey, we need a lot of stuff. If we somehow luck up and get into the mix at the end of the season in the NFC South, so be it. But there's a lot that's needed here. They need all the assets they can get. So I, I think they did the right thing. Yeah. Salty Pirate writes in, Panthers don't have many valuable tradable players. That's why they suck. Yes, mm. that's excellent analysis. It's very true. They don't have many valuable or tradable players. So if that's the case, then it is going to be harder to make a deal. Even if you are able to agree to one, then it would be for draft compensation that is later in the NFL draft, which it might be nice to package sixth round picks, seventh round picks to move up to a fourth or whatever. But, you know, now you're making a stretch. Now you're trying to figure out, okay, how can I move just to move? And Wes, we get a lot of texts saying, I don't want to trade for draft picks that Scott Fitter is just going to miss on anyway. But also, if you were to trade draft picks for players, this is where it's tough to defend somebody that I've attempted to before with Scott Fitterer when it was Matt Rule, the guy having 51% control of the roster when he was here. It gets hard to defend Scott Fitterer's trade record because what's worked out? I can think of the Stephon Gilmore trade. When they started out 3-0, and everybody was real high on the Carolina Panthers. Things were working really well for them. Dan Orlovsky is doing a NFL live video segment. The Panthers can cover. They got corners all over the place. This was, I believe, before J.C. Horn was hurt. I, or, or maybe he was coming back and they felt, I, I forget what it was. But he was excited about the defense. Stephon Gilmore, Dante Jackson, J.C. Horn, all could cover. And you felt good about it. And then you had Brian Burns rushing the passer. Stefan was still a trade that I would do even in hindsight because it was a six round pick. You were winning at that time. It made sense to me. But what's the other trade that Scott Fitterer hit on? If you can tell me, do so. 704-570-9610. But that's the problem. I, I defended Scott Fitterer. I like some of the philosophies that he brought to the table. I like theoretically being in on every deal. It means that you're always going to be in the mix. It means you're not going to leave any stone unturned. I like that philosophy. The first NFL draft he was a part of here in Carolina, he was moving all up and down the draft board. More bites at the apple in an imperfect process. I like that. It increases your chances of hitting on someone. But it's tough to point to Scott Fitter and say, this is where you hit. And this is where you consistently hit. We, we won a game. I'm glad we did. It got us having at least a postseason conversation yesterday. But at the trade deadline, you're in a bad spot when me as the fan, I don't know if I want you to trade or sit on this draft compensation because I haven't seen you hit consistently using either asset. Yeah, and I think also to go alongside that, we talked about in addition to missing on the draft picks, we also talked about missing on these free agents outside of really Adam Thielen. You look at it and you don't trust them. There's no trust there. That's the thing you're talking about. It's like, okay, this guy's missing on draft picks. He's missing on free agent pickups. It's like you don't trust him to do anything at this point. I'd like to know from the texters, you know, how much do you trust Fitter? And I don't think it's much at this point. So to go along with the trade deadline, did you really trust him to go out and make a deal that was going to be of substance? So the thing with the thing with Fitter, I do think that he has hit on free agency at times. We can go back to last year. You sure up the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Austin Corbett, Bradley Bozeman, good signings for what they were. They're not home run, but above average offensive line, 
certainly better than what it was in what five, six, seven years prior. Von Bell, good enough signing. Haven't seen it pan out a ton this year. We do have Adam Thielen. There, there are things to defend what Scott Fitterer did via free agency, but it's the other stuff. It's when it comes time to either investing in this team for the future or making a win now type of move outside of the draft in season. A guy that's made a lot of trades, by the way, that that's the tough part. It's not like we have a small sample size to choose from. We got a lot and I can't point to anything and say, man, that overwhelmingly worked out for this Carolina Panthers team. Maybe there's some draft pick trades that I'm not thinking about. Bryce young could very well be that thing. Maybe, but right now I can't tell you that's where they overwhelmingly hit and they did so consistently. We can go to the text line, get some more of your thoughts. Again, the number is 704-570-9610. Yeah, Big Cat Dan says, you know, just waiting to hear what was offered for Brian Burns or any of our players of value. How many of those did he hit on? Talking about some of the draft picks that were actually, I should say, some of the the, the packages that were offered to Scott Fitterer that he didn't pull the trigger on. I mean, there are people that wanted Scott Fitter to actually make a trade last year. And he didn't, I poor guy can't win for nothing, man. Like, you know, he's just, it, there's just a, it doesn't matter which way you look at it. It just didn't really work out for him. I didn't intend for this to be a Scott Fitter, a bashing session, but the more you think about it, he's the guy that is in charge of making trades. And we didn't see any last year and, or in yesterday, it gets you thinking, you know, what do you feel comfortable with him doing? Wes, do you think there was an ideal deal out there for him to make at all? I, T. Higgins, I know you've been a fan of. Should you have looked into that very seriously yesterday? DeAndre Hopkins, even though he got going with Will Levis. Devontae Adams, after he was so frustrated with the Raiders, they came out and said there was no way they were trading him. Anything that you could think of that you're like, yeah, the Panthers should have made an inquiry there. The T. Higgins deal... Uh, is the one I keep going back to. I mean, the Denver receivers, they kept talking about that as well. Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy was a guy. Uh, not to say that the Steve Smith thing killed that, but it definitely put a damper on it when one of your all-time players is at odds with a guy. But when you looked at the wide receiver position, because that's going to be one of, if not at the top of the list, but the asking price for T. Higgins, I mean, what was it? I'm guessing it was at minimum a first-round pick or a second-round pick for that guy. Well, you don't have a first-rounder. And then the second-rounder, okay, if that's all it was going to take. But I highly doubt they were going to trade a young guy that was under, I think he's under 26, 27 years old. I think T. Higgins can't be more than 25. Yeah, he was he was drafted just a couple years ago. That's what I'm saying. He's so real young. For a young guy like that, that's a – that is a number one receiver in this league. I know he plays beside Jamar Chase, but T. Higgins is definitely a one as well. You can look at him as a 1A, 1B. It was going to cost you, and I don't think the Panthers were willing to do that. I think that they would rather just sit, hit free agency, hit the draft, and give up the least amount of assets. But if there was an ideal deal for them, it would have been a young receiver to pair with your young quarterback, a guy like a T. Higgins. Yeah, I, I couldn't think of one because it was going to take a, a lot to move on and and trade for a star wide receiver because I didn't want to trade for Hunter Renfro and that's no shade to Hunter Renfro. I just but don't. It is. Why is that? Because anytime somebody has a petty caveat, it is what they say. It's not. You think that was a petty caveat? It wasn't petty. I'm just saying that you were like, I don't want Hunter Renfro. No shade to Hunter Renfro. Like it is though. Cause you don't want him at the cost. 
Okay. Oh, I'll take them in free agency. Okay, all right, all right. There we go. This We're talking about trade deadline. I got you. So I don't want to trade. I would not have been happy for the Panthers to have traded whatever to go get Hunter Renfro, who plays the same position. I've seen his name put out there. That's why I went with him. Mm-hmm. So he's honestly just the victim of circumstance. He's the guy that's been named a lot. So that's why I went with that receiver. But I do think it's middle of the road receiver had a hundred yard, a hundred catch season a couple of years ago. But do you want to give up? I don't know what it would take. I mean, maybe not that much, but if it wouldn't take that much, that means that Raiders might cut him anyway. That's a real possibility with how much shenanigans are going on in that organization right now. So take whatever receiver you want to, I didn't want to bring in somebody that would be worse than Adam Thielen, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If you're going to make a move for a receiver, then hey, yo, Jerry Judy, I, we can use Jerry Judy's name. If it's going to take a third round pick to go get Jerry Judy, I'll just go ahead and draft a wide receiver in the third round instead of trade one to go get somebody that I'm going to have to pay more money for who has underwhelmed for the most part as a first-round pick. Now, would you have wanted them to maybe, and I don't think they were scheme fits. I think both of these guys are 4-3 players, but would you have wanted to see them maybe spend a two on Montez Sweat or Chase Young? See, that's where it gets interesting. You're right. I can't tell you I would have been mad coming in the next day. Oh, we got Montez Sweat trading a second-round pick for him. But I'm not going to tell you, even with me wanting another edge rusher, because one, I don't know if Brian Burns is going to be here long term, or I don't know who's going to be opposite of him. It, it would work in two different ways, but I also don't think that defensive end is as high as some of the offensive help that we need right now. So I would like to use that second round pick, and the second round pick, especially if you're trading the 2024 second round pick, it's going to be 33 overall potentially, or at least in the top 35. It's a high pick. I, you're flirting with the first round at that point. And so if you use a borderline first-round pick on offense, Wes, is that guy starting right away? And so now you're trading that to go get Montez, who is a good player, but is he going to help you in the areas that you need more help in than other ones? I like Montez Sweat a lot. It's like Chase Young. A third-round pick for Chase, totally fair, and probably not as much as you would have liked to have gotten for him if you're Washington. But if you're Carolina, does it make sense to get rid of that third-round pick to go get an edge rusher when you need help on offense? You won a game, and you only scored 15 points. You have a young QB. Everything you do should be enhancing his chance to succeed in the Mm -hmm. NFL. So that's why I like holding on to the draft picks the way they did yesterday. Yeah, and I see, uh, and and real quick, I see conditional two for Chase because I thought it was a three-two, and I think they reported yesterday that it was a three. I'm looking at ESPN transactions. But I'm saying all that to say, also, you're talking about the bag, and we always talk about the bag. You're going to have to pay these guys. Like, what if Chase Young comes yeah. in the rest of the season, has eight, nine sacks, and says, all right, I'm one of the best. I've proven it. you got to pay me. Now you got to pay Derrick Brown, Brian Burns, and your new defensive end. That's a lot of Skrilla to invest in your Straight cash, homie. Seven. All right. So, and Frankie Louvo. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. So if you look at that, then we can transition into somebody else that wanted the bag and asked for it outright after a salutation from Kyle Bailey. Biff Pogey, he wants the bag. Can the Charlotte 49ers get rolling after an embarrassing loss? It was embarrassing. It was bad against FAU. Hunter Bailey, Charlotte Observer and writer for the Charlotte Post, going to be joining us on the other side of the break. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. hard at work during the break trying to figure out how to retroactively punish me for not bringing in the fudge early on that Ms. Julie made us because I forgot and then yeah it was the classic oh I quote unquote forgot and then just ended up eating it because I didn't want it to spoil over the weekend so I never brought it in but I brought it in the second time I made up for it and now Fiddy is mad at me and wants to punish me by I like how he views my punishment as him attending my house, <laughs> him coming over to watch a game. That's not a punishment, Fiddy, even though we'll work something out at some point. But we can punish me in a different way. I don't know. I don't want to pay for like 100. No, I don't want to pay more for more lunches. It's probably going to happen after a one and two start for the Hornets anyway. But we can figure out something else. Um, yeah, one and two start. The Charlotte 49ers got off to that, and then they started losing more and more, and it's not been going the way that I think I thought it would this year for the Charlotte 49ers football program, or Biff Pogey told us how it was going to go. To talk more about it, let's welcome Hunter Bailey on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. He writes for not only the Charlotte Observer, but he also covers the Charlotte Hornets for the Charlotte Post. You should go follow him on Twitter at Hunter underscore Bailey 45 with a recent article on Brandon Miller and how well he has been playing so far. For the Charlotte Hornets. I do want to focus on the 49ers, though, first, Hunter. My first question is, are you one of the suspensions? I will steal the joke from Nick Carboni. <laughs> are you one of the suspensions that Biff Pogey is keeping close to the vest? I'm out for the game, man. Good call. Um, I can't believe he, he didn't spell the news, but we'll break it here on WFMZ. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it's the second time that Hunter Bailey has broken news. It was when he received his job. Hunter Bailey out for this game. Unfortunately, he is out because of a suspension due to Biff Pogey. What is the clarity on the suspension list here, Hunter? Do we have any? So he will not say it, but they painted it pretty much black and white. They took Yabioki off of the depth chart. They took mm. Stone Handy and then Ali Ali, uh, the safety who muffed the punt at ECU a couple weeks ago. Uh, so those three guys, I'm assuming, are the three. I don't know why you would take them off if you're not going to suspend them or why you would do it and not say anything about it. I feel like the situation is pretty odd, but those are the three I'm assuming who will not be traveling to Tulsa this weekend. All right. So as we continue to seek more clarity on not only suspensions, but injuries, it was real bad at the quarterback spot. This last game, Jalen Jones got injured. Trexler Ivy. He also got injured. We got to our fourth quarterback against FAU when Dom Schaffner uh, entered the game. Where are we on the injury front Hunter specifically at QB? Yeah. So Trexler took a hit. Uh, he was, he slid and got hit on a slide and no flag was thrown. He's, Poji won't necessarily like give an injury designation. He said Jalen is hurt the worst of the two. Uh, but that sounds like they're expecting either Dom Schaffner or Micah Bowens. Uh, talking to him yesterday, a decision has not been made, but I assume both Dom and then uh, Micah Bowens will both play on Saturday. 
Hunter, when you look at this team and how things are going in this first season, especially in the offense, when I watched the game, walking, I talked about it, just how simplistic it is. If it's not a run, uh, a basic run principle, it's a fake and a rollout and throw into the flat. Do you anticipate that there will be changes to this coaching staff uh, when this season concludes? I think so. I'm not. I'm not sure uh, if they'll retain Mike Miller. I think there's definitely some things they can do. I mean, he's he's been all across college football. He's been at Maryland. He's been with Clemson. Been at Alabama. But this is his first time as being offensive coordinator. He he was co OC with the Terps, but this is his first time, as he told me, making the decision. There's a big difference between advising those decisions and actually making them. And I think you've kind of seen conflicting of style and personnel. They want to be this, you know. I formation, Big Ten team, run the ball down your throat and then go play action. But they don't they don't have that kind of personnel on the offensive line. They're also dealing with struggles, injury, injury issues there. I'll be interested to see what they do in the portal. You've heard Deion Sanders. I mean, he said straight up, we need new linemen. I think Charlotte's in a similar boat. They've gotten some really good production from right tackle Jasper Parks. But outside of that, it's been kind of mixing, matching, and hoping that the transfers you brought in in year one are going to mesh. And, I mean, you're returning one starter from last year, and that's Johnny King, and now he's out for the season with a knee injury. So it's the hodgepodge on the offense, and I, I do think there could be staff changes at that position next season. And that's the thing, too, when you talk about all of the transfers that they brought in, obviously they've been disappointed because they disappointing because they're not winning. But when you look at these guys, do you see potential? And also, I'm sure that you follow them on the recruiting trail as well. You know, the reinforcements that will be coming in because a lot of people have been talking about how coaches may be getting too lazy and just wanting to go to the portal. So uh, what do you see from this group that he has in and how much he would need to get? Yeah, I know that Biff is a big portal guy. I don't know percentage as far as he would like to recruit portal versus high school, but I do know he's fully intending on going to the portal and trying to bring in as much talent as possible next year. I think I think one thing to watch is how many players leave in this cycle. Obviously, we saw 40 leave after the switch from Healy to Poji. I'll be interested to see kind of what happens with the rest of the Healy holdovers and then even some of the guys Poji brought in, you think of guys like Yabi, who's the best defensive player. He's a senior. He will move on. They need, they're going to need help on both sides of the trenches and, and mainly a quarterback. And whether that's a Michigan transfer, another St. Francis guy, or some kind of power five drop down, I am almost certain that they will address that position this offseason. Well, in Hunter. Hunter, I mean, the defense, that's what was most disappointing to me. I, I, we know what it is with the offense, but you score 16 points. You won with 10 the week prior, but this week you get beat by 22 because the defense allows 38 points. What are the biggest problems on defense right now? I think it's the penalties, man. You give up 12 for 104 penalties. I mean, first drive of the game, literally first play of the game, roughing the passer. Follow that with a face mask, illegal hands to the face, and what was it five, six plays? FAU's in the end zone. They're off and running. Uh, the big play has been in Charlotte repeatedly, and they kind of cut that down against ECU. They only allowed four chunk plays in that game for 55 yards. And then you flip the switch completely against FAU. And I will say they were missing their starting safety, Wayne Jones, and their best corner, Dante Balfour, going against LeJonte Wester, uh, FAU's best wideout. Uh, but Ryan Osborne said it. I mean, he's he's making wholesale changes in how the personnel is ran in and out of the on the defense, and he's going to make that call. 
And he said flat out, like, if I don't trust you, you're not going to play this Saturday or for the rest of the season. So he's, he definitely took it personally. And I, I agree that that game is solely on the defense. I mean, you, you, you said it, you know what you're going to get from the offense. They're literally averaging 14 points a game. So you got to either score on defense, score in special teams and limit them to two touchdowns or less if Charlotte's going to be competitive and stay in these games. And on the last thing, we know the incident that happened after the last game. And then you talk about how much this team gets penalized. What is your vantage point as far as the, the discipline of this football team on and off the field? So Biff Poggi said in the docuseries on ESPN Plus, Mining for Greatness, even in the trailer, actually, that he is the greatest on the planet at taking broken, wounded young men and healing them, teaching them the way, the right way to do things. And you're seeing, I mean, we're, we're talking about three suspensions. Obviously, he took that very personally. Two of those guys he coached in high school. The other, if it is, like I say, if these guys are the ones suspended, would be Stone Handy, a Will Healy holdover. And, I mean, I mean, you saw it, right? 12 penalties. You've got bad looks on national TV with state troopers trying to break up. Some of the players arguing on the sidelines. you got Yabioki getting penalties literally during halftime as the teams walk off the field. It hasn't been a good look. And, I mean, he jokingly said it after ECU because we asked him, how, how do you fix this? Because there were key penalties in ECU that knocked him out of field goal range that really almost cost him that game. And he jokingly said torture, like – that's how he helped us. Like, and I, I don't know necessarily what you do, right? Because it's like 70 new players, 50 returnees, and you're trying to mix and match all this while losing, right? These are college kids. You're two and six. You had high expectations. He said it when the year started. We're going to play 15 games. We're going to win the AAC. Now you're two and six. And if you lose one more, bowls out the window for good. Yeah, not a good start for the Charlotte 49ers, not a good midseason. Let's see if they can get to uh, get on track and at least provide us with a good ending. The Charlotte Hornets, they might not be on a great start. Brandon Miller is, though, and Hunter Bailey wrote all about it. You can find it on his Twitter timeline, at Hunter underscore Bailey 45, writing for the Charlotte Post, covers the 49ers for the Charlotte Observer, and he's also host of the Highway 49 podcast. Hunter, we appreciate the time, man. As always, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Hunter. Absolutely, guys. Take it easy. The great Hunter Bailey joining us here on the Wesson Walker Show. Campus Corner coming up next, the 1 o'clock hour, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.